Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. everybody it is thursday july 23rd 2020 i'm kevin cooney mike kern will join us in a minute and changed up from the hooters because it's time we're almost back as we're recording this the nationals minus one soto and the yankees will play the first major league baseball regular season game of 2020 uh and we will talk about that after our guest tonight it is jason martitas of the flyers radio network and also of 97.5 the fanatic our uh, friend is going to join us to discuss the flyers restart they head to canada on uh sunday and by this time next week they will be ready to begin pool play to uh begin the 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 march they hope Towards the Stanley Cup. We'll also touch on a couple other topics. But yeah, the NBA. You're going to see the Sixers back here for the first time this week. You're going to have the Phillies home opener. Actually, opening night on Friday against the Marlins. The Yankees are in town next week. It is a suddenly has gone busy as the Inquirer's headline this morning was 0 the 60. And that is what has happened. We'll also break down, by the way, Mike and I, after uh, we're done with... Uh, uh, with Jason, um, we'll break down the baseball playoff structure, which has been expanded tonight um, to 16 teams. And it's a weird 16 teams. And we'll get into that at some point. So lots to get to as we get underway on the show here on Working the Beat. And glad you could join us. And um, when we come back, it'll be Jason Mertides. He'll join us discuss everything with the flyers and other topics in sports that's next as we continue sports is back gang let's smile let's have fun we'll see you in a minute looking to reach the sports fans of philadelphia in a brand new way this is kevin cooney each week the working to be podcast with mike kern and i brings the hottest topics into this sports craze town with the people and the events that shape the landscape now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. Our guest on this edition of Work in the Beat has been a fixture in the Philadelphia radio market for years, and especially if you're a hockey fan. There's nobody who loves the game in the Philadelphia media more than Jason Martinez. He is a member of the Flyers radio crew uh, with intermission uh, duties and also now back on 97.5 The Fanatic. Jason, how are you? 
who says you can't go home. <laughs> please, <laughs> please. That, that'll force Kern to sing. So let's let's keep the same. I don't sing. No, I don't sing. You I'm don't? Not, no. No? Can't Saturday. Sing. Saturday, 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 <laughs> Saturday rights all right for I got Tagger. A for you. For yeah. Tagger. S A T U R D A Y. All right, so you've been Mr. Optimist about sports coming back. I mean, and as we're recording this, uh the Yankees and the the Nationals are literally taking the field. Um it's been a long 130 some days, but what's it like today for you? Uh, it's a big day, even though Juan Soto is not playing because he yeah. tested positive on Tuesday, and today's <laughs> Thursday. And there's a forty-eight yeah, hour there, lag. There, there, there's a little bit of a loophole on the uh, yeah. on, on the on the protocol, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's going to be something first and foremost that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on because they played against the uh, uh, the Orioles on Wednesday when mm-hmm. he tested Tuesday, but we didn't get the results until Thursday. So, is there going to be any members of the Orioles that test positive? Is there going to be any of his teammates that test positive? because um, he did practice on Wednesday with them as well. So that's going to be interesting. But uh, it just it feels good to be back. And, like, by no means is the pandemic over, right? Um, there's still a ton of work to be done in that regard. And there's going to be a lot of work or a lot of science that's going to lead to fans ending up back in buildings as well. But it just feels good for it to be back because you guys know what it's like. You turn on your TV. And part of this, no matter where you kind of fall politically, is is definitely a fear campaign. And they did a good job. I told the story when I was filling in for, for Mikey Miss today that in the beginning of the campaign or the pandemic, like I didn't, I, I didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on. I went to the grocery store with my wife and, you know, I thought if you touched something and it had it on it, you'd spontaneously combust. So I went to the grocery store. There was no, I couldn't find gloves anywhere. Mm-hmm. I was wearing giant trash bags on my hands, like the <laughs> plastic bags, because I didn't know, you right, know, like, yeah. like I feel like an ass now saying that but no we didn't know then it was a more aerosol spread or if it was touch or what the hell it stayed on this surface longer than that but i knew i needed to get groceries because for me and the kids and so i was wearing trash bags on my hands but um so to be kind of where we are today um with the protocols that these leagues have put in, into place uh i'm really excited about it because like you guys I, I make a living in sports but um the other part of it is you know for just for your mental health to be able to sit down for three hours, you know, two and a half hours to watch a basketball game or a hockey game or four hours to watch a Gabe Kapler match baseball game. Um, you know, for those things, just our mental health and to have something to talk about and get excited about and be pissed off about um, because, you know, a pitcher didn't perform or a guy didn't play good defense or Ben Simmons won't shoot. And, and to actually cite a game for that is going to feel really normal and good. And, and I think there's a toll that this whole thing's going to take on all of us mentally. There's going to be elements of PTSD and what it's going to do to our kids and not going to school and all that stuff that to get any sense of normalcy back to me has got to be a good thing. And Mike, I know it's not risk free, but, but it's a good thing, Mike, but we're going to get through it. I mean, it, we will, it, it, it's going to suck. We're resilient bastards is why. Yeah. And it's going to suck for a while. I mean, yep. like you said, Jason, we don't know, but it, it'll gradually you know, we'll come and, and we'll probably be better off for it in some strange way. But uh, I just wondering, it's funny, Jason, like people, the Sixers, yeah, look, hockey gets the short end of the shrift all the time. Uh, they're kind of flying under the radar. You don't hear as much about them because the Phillies are obviously starting, the Sixers, everybody seems intrigued by Sixers. 
But the Flyers were playing great when this whole thing stopped. And I'm just wondering you, as, as and you're around the team, obviously. I'm really looking forward to them, I think, more than these other two sports, just because I thought, hey, they might have something here. Yeah, and it's and it's weird because you know how the NHL is. If you get in in any given year as a top eight seed in your conference, you can do some damage. You can't say that in basketball because we usually know who the final four teams are going to be, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that league, it's the haves and the have-nots, and, and there's a no bigger, you know, kind of separator in that league than the top and the bottom. We've never seen an eight team or seven team win the NBA title, and we probably never will because um, that's just the way the sport's built and the star power and the effect of one player on a team. But in the NHL and and the Flyers, you're right. They played, you know, since January 4th, they hadn't lost back-to-back games. What that, to me, that's a great trait of a team that can do damage in the playoffs. But why haven't they lost back-to-back games, and why did they win 9 out of 10? Well, to me, there's a couple of reasons. One is this coach came in and said, I'm not putting up with any bullshit. There's accountability, and I don't care if you make eight and a half million dollars a year or if you make seven hundred grand a year. You're all going to be held to what the standard is that is the peak of your play. Uh, and he and he set that tone right away, and everybody kind of was like, "Oh, okay." And then you saw in the beginning of the year, guys like Giroux, guys like Voracek, guys like JVR making a lot of scratch, right? So I'm big tickets. And after games, I need more out of these guys, and that puts everybody on notice. And players love. You guys know this. You covered the game slow. Mm-hmm. They love not wondering what somebody, the coaching staff or the GM or somebody's thinking about them. So when you know that, now everybody's held to a high level of accountability. Everybody's got to buy in. And then once you do that, and then you start to reap the success of that, that's when things start to swell. And that's what's happened in the second half of the year. They started to go, Elaine comes in already with a great resume. He was right. already nominated for four Jack Adams, you know, and he's won everywhere he's been. He hasn't won a cup, but he's got the two finals with two different organizations. So there's that. And then you start to see that, hey, we're buying in and it's working. We're seeing the results change. We're getting consistent. We're getting depth scoring. And I think that just starts to swell and swell and swell to where the team doesn't lose back-to-back games. They're not intimidated by any opponent. And then you win nine of your last 10 because now all of a sudden, what's happened with all that is you've actually become a really good hockey team. Jason, Jay, they're one of them. It, yeah. Well, and no, and, and and kind of piggybacking on what you were saying about the communication thing, um, I always thought that one of the weaknesses of Hackstall and Hextall was the idea that they didn't communicate either well enough with the people in that room, or maybe the the bigger plan with fans. If, in Hextall's case, okay, I thought there was a little too much of a. Yeah. You know, people wonder why Hart wasn't up here sooner, and Hexy never really gave a a, a, a real accounting for why. It, it, do yeah. players Carter sense did. that? Yeah, but 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 yeah. do players sense that the communication with Fletcher and, and Vigno is so much better than it was? Even going, I guess, going back to Baruby, really, because Chief was a little bit like that. Yeah, well, you know, Chief's an old school kind of survey right. guy, um, but he's a players' coach. Um, Hack was a Hack was a guy who was I think was a decent communicator, um, but I think he was also working under some of Ron's constraints. Mm-hmm. And Ron was extremely guarded, um, extremely you know he was a plug every leak in this organization, or there'll be hell to pay. Uh, very. Um, Where did he get better, that? 
I don't know if that was the way it was in LA under Dean Lombardi or not, or if it was just kind of his belief. And, and, you know, you look at a guy like Lou Lamorello, that's his belief. There's no, no leaks that ever no. came out of his New Jersey teams or Toronto and, and now with the Islanders. Um, so it was very similar to that where we control a lot. We over control some things, but, um, and I had Ron on my podcast, uh, on the stick to hockey podcast right. two weeks ago. And, and he said, I would, I would love for some of the flyer fans to show me, you know, what I could have done to speed it up when I inherited a cap situation that I inherited and I had no draft equity and I had to rebuild the farm system. He said, I could have traded Travis Konechny a thousand times. I got calls about that guy every day and, and he could have, but he wanted to do it right. And, but something changed. And what he said changed was when, you know, Mr. Snyder died. Um, that changed a lot. And he talked about his meeting with Mr. Snyder when he was taking the job. And Ed said to him, I said, Ron, what do you need from me? And he said, I really only need one thing from you, Mr. Snyder. And he said, what's that? And he said, patience. And Mr. Snyder's silence for about 30 seconds, Ron said it felt like an hour. <laughs> and he said, do you not think I'm a patient man, Ron? <laughs> and Ron said, well, you know, he said, no, I'm kidding. I know I haven't been patient. <laughs> he made him sweat it out a bit. Uh, but he's right. But Ron was being patient with Carter Hart, and he didn't bring Carter Hart up that year, and that was the right thing to do to not bring Carter up at that time. Now, they ended up going through eight goalies. The problem was signing Michael Neuvert and coming back with him and and Brian Elliott, who was coming off surgery to depend on those guys. But um, Brian Elliott that year, or uh, Carter Hart, you know, his rookie year, I mean, he will tell you that the electricity was shut off in his apartment because he didn't know how to pay an electric bill. He didn't know that when he moved into the apartment that he needed to get a bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? He had a billet family that did everything for him, that cooked for him and everything. And he was nowhere near ready to come into the NHL. His game was not good when he first came into his first Flyers camp with a chance to make the team. And he was pro and go, either going to go to the AHL or the NHL. Uh, he went to the AHL. He struggled at first because he was trying to figure out how to live on his own. He never had done it before. So uh, eventually, though, you started to see his game start to click. And then that's when they eventually did bring him up after after Ron was let go. And they did it really probably before they wanted to at that time as well because, again, they were going through this carousel of goalies and Mike McKenna and Cal Pickard. I mean, yeah. Jesus, I was probably next before Carter. Uh, <laughs> but they opted to bring him up instead, and thank goodness they did. And, and then he performed well, and he, and he earned the right to keep himself here. So, um and he's way ahead of himself in, in maturity for a 21 year old kid. And um, so, uh, you know, Ron, I think Ron made some decisions behind the scene and kind of the culture a little bit that ruffled people the wrong way. But, um, but overall what he did was he set the stage for what's going to be a really good era of flyers hockey with guys like Konechny and Provorov. And I mean, you can go down the list. Phil Myers was an undrafted player that he got to sign here and, uh, he drafted Travis Sanheim. There's a, a lot of guys and the structures in place for, not only this year, but for a really long time, and, and Hart's a big part of that as well. Mike, hey, Jason, when when you've been off four months, when everyone's been off four months, how impossible is it to have a feel for what the Flyers might do or what any team might do? I mean, for for that matter, like you said, the NHL playoffs have always been hard to predict anyway. In a lot of years, do you have a sense at all of how you think they're? I'm not saying how well, how far they'll go, but how they'll perform. It's a great question. You know, I really don't know, Mike, because I've been trying to figure out and I've asked everybody that I know in hockey at every level. And that goes from um, squirt hockey all the way to the NHL and guys who played the game and are Hall of Famers now uh, that played it a long time. I've asked them all, what's the key 
to coming out of this situation and having success? Is it young legs? Is it veteran legs? Cause they know what it takes to be in the playoffs. Is it guys that, uh, um, are structured system players or is it freewheeling players? I have no idea what it is. And they all say the same thing. I'll let you know after, cause we don't know. Yeah, I really yeah. don't. Um, what I think I know though, is this, I, th- I think structure and system is going to be important. Um, I think it always is uh, to be the team identity that you were before this um, came into play to, to play with those disciplines. You know, hockey's just like every other sport that uh, it's a game of the little things that it's all the details that, you know, if you're going to dump the puck in to get a change, you got to get it deep. If you dump it in and it's a shallow dump into the top of the circles and they're going the other way, now you're caught odd man rush. It's the details. It's those little things being on the right side of the puck. So, um, and those are the, some of the things that take the longest to come back is the details. So what it is, I, I think the biggest advantage you can have is that your coaching staff has a tremendous feel for your group to know when to get guys on the ice more because they got it going. I think it's a, you know, a, a coaching staff that knows how to ramp you up correctly and a coaching staff that preaches accountability. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. And, and one that is going to give you an advantage in a situation that we've never seen before. And this coaching staff has that. There's others that have it too. Like I look at Columbus and I look at John Tortorella and I go, boy, this is a perfect situation for a guy like Tortino's how to get a team ready to spit fire and have, you know, jet, you know, engine jet wash coming out of their rear ends in the way they play, which is why they upset Tampa last year. So I look at that and I go, that's the coaching staff that's going to be able to come out did you, and, and have an effect on the game. Did you hear what Torts did last night? No. What did he do now? He refused to talk to the media after the scrimmage. Was, oh yeah. He's a mid season form. Yeah. He, he, he's ready to go. <laughs> like life's returned to normal for him. Uh, he was asked last week about, uh, you know, the possibility of curse words coming over because there's no fans in the buildings, right? So we might hear more chirping on the ice. Yeah. And he said, frankly, I don't give a shit. <laughs> that was in his availability. <laughs> like, I love Torts. I think he's so good for the game. Oh, he's great. So, yeah. I, and Silsky he, covered and him and he loved him. I, I talked to Mike about him, Silsky about him, because he covered him up in New York for a bit. He said he's awesome. He, it was yeah, a how challenge. Could you not like a guy like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Flyers, obviously, uh, they go to Toronto on Sunday. I think their first game is, what, Wednesday? The, the scrimmage against Tuesday, Tuesday against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, is Coatsy and, um, and uh, 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 Timmy going up there, or are they doing it from a studio back here? No, nah, Coatsy's got too many pre-existing conditions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, none of, the, none of the local broadcasters will actually be in the building. Yeah, I know television's um, doing it from, from back here. But yeah, so the radio is going to be piped in. Tom McGinnis will do it for the Sixers game from Wells Fargo, and so will Tim and Coatsy. Um, from there, it'll be they'll they'll get the pool feed at Wells Fargo, and that'll be pumped back to the radio station. Um, from there, if so they're, if yeah. they're doing it from the balcony, man, that's got to be creepy because that building yeah. has been touched since March. <laughs> you know, yeah, somebody may want to go in uh, with a with a shop vac and clean out all the cobwebs, right? Yeah, yeah that's where they are doing it. Yeah. They are doing it from their broadcast style. The, the, don't, don't don't look for the rodents that'll be going around that place because we all know there's yeah. uh, uh, so much is made about the captain and, and Claude Giroux's numbers. You know, when I was down there one time, right before the shutdown, um, we had a dinner conversation in, in the media room, and a lot of the beat guys were making the argument that Giroux's a Hall of Fame number guy, but he needs that playoff run. He hasn't had that playoff run really since since ten. Yeah, they, they got to the second round, 12, and all that. How important is this run 
for him because he has weapons around him that he doesn't have to be the guy, but he has to be the leader. Jason? Did Jason freeze? I think Jason uh, I think Jason froze. It he's was, been known to do that. <laughs> it was such a it was such a question that it was so detailed. So uh, hopefully we'll get Jason back here in a second. I mean, and Mike, I mean, you know, while we fill time here, I, of all the players in this town, you know, for Claude Giroux's long-term reputation, this may be the most important stretch coming up. See, I'm not a big guy, Kevin. To me, a guy's a Hall of Famer or he isn't. And I understand that it's nice if you have a championship, um, because that kind of put, but let's say for the sake of argument, especially this year in a year that's so weird, right? Let's say the Flyers make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose. Well, to me, if I'm like a Hall of Fame voter, that's not the tipping point. Like I'm not gonna look and say, "Well, boy, the Flyers made it pretty far." Now, maybe if you're skating around with a cup, um, maybe that influences somebody. But to me, you're a Hall of Famer. You ain't. I think the problem with Claude has always been when when. The owner came out and called him, you know, the best player. Not, not in the owner. It was the the head coach. It was Lavi. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Lavi. My, my bad. My bad. But I think Ed Ed felt that way about him too, kind of, and that's fine. He, he should have. I mean, I'm not saying when that he had the great series against Crosby, right? Right. But when you have that put on you, mm-hmm. and then your teams basically stink for a long time. Not that it was his fault. Um, I thought the one year, was it last year or the year before? Here comes Jason. Jason's coming back. Okay, but no, go ahead. Finish your point. No, I think he he, he very well could have won. He wasn't even an MVP finalist that year. No. And I think it was very clear he should have been. I don't know if he should have won the award. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, whenever you get to a guy and you got to talk about it, you know, that's when it's like, to me, you shouldn't have to talk about it. Jason, you be able to look at a guy and say he's a Hall of Famer. Jason, I, I'm not sure you heard my question, but my question was how important is this for Claude Giroux since he hasn't really had a great playoff run since 12 and the club hasn't made a deep playoff run since 10? Yeah, uh, it, it's big. And, and I know you guys are talking about the Hall of Fame. Um, he still has a lot more work done to be a Hall of Famer. And I agree with you, Mike. A lot of times, if you have to go, well, let me make the case. Well, then, if you don't, to me, the Hall of Fame is one of those things where it's not the Hall of Good. It's not the Hall of Really Good. It's right. the Hall of Fame. Like, there should be almost no doubt about it, right? But a lot of and, those moments are made in, in the playoffs. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. he's just about a point-per-game performer in his history as a playoff performer. But, look, it's easy for teams to shut down an individual guy or an individual line when you have no other options, right? Right. And that's, that's been the case since 2012 for Claude. Um, but you look at the situation now for him. He's got the numbers there for the most part, not only for just what he did in the decade from 2010 to 20 uh, and being the fourth leading scorer in the league and a number one, you know, face-off guy. And there's so many other elements to his game. He's a great penalty killer. And the Hall of Fame is recognizing those things more and more when you see a guy like Guy Carbono get in, right? Right. Um, so it's not just about numbers, although he has numbers, but you do need playoff success. And you don't need necessarily need a cup, but it helps a heck of a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, um, but yeah, he's got to be a guy that, you know, he's 33 now that's going to have to have some playoff success because he does have um, a team with depth now. So this is 
next this year, next year, and the year after as he closes out his Flyers contract. And if he goes beyond that, we'll see. But um, t- he needs to have some playoff success. And if he doesn't, I mean, if they were to win a cup, then I think he'd be a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah. And if he continues yeah. to put up numbers like he has, even with some sort of nominal drop-off, I think he will end up there. But he's going to have to have playoff success. I think he's got to at least get to another cup final. Um, and if he can do that in the next three years while he still is – um, a player that is really dangerous, then I think that he'll have a really good chance to do that. And the other thing is he's a guy that he's never been a great skater. Like he's not a great skater. You know, that's, that hasn't been he's the hallmark. He's adequate. Yeah. And, and has he lost maybe a half a step? Sure. But he thinks the game at such an elite level that he margin or mitigates the fact that he was never a great skater, you know, just, I saw the goal he scored against Tampa where he goes in one on four. And as he goes around Victor Hedman, a Norris winner, he lifts his stick. He's got control of the puck. He takes it off the puck, lifts Hedman's stick, regathers the puck to go around him. Like these kind of things happening in real speed. There's, you know, maybe eight guys on the planet that can a do that, but there's only four guys on the planet that think to do it at full speed in a game. And he's one of them. Because there's other great other great players that score spectacular goals, but they don't have to do it that way because they just have unbelievable wheels or whatever it is. He's able to think the game, see the game at such an elite level. And we saw it so early in his career. I remember seeing it. I was just like, man, this guy's hockey IQ is off the charts. And for being a guy that wasn't taken high in a draft, I think 26, you know, to become the player that he has is unbelievable. And you look at his size, and then you couple that fact of his size with his durability, mm-hmm. the guy's never hurt. It's amazing. You don't ever yeah. see him get it, get crushed with a big hit. And that's not because guys are doing him a favor because he's Gretzky. Cause he's not, they'd love to get one on him, but he never puts himself in a position to do it. And he's just the consistency of his performances over the years. It's just such a shame. Cause I think there's so many flyer fans are going to have no clue what they had until he was gone. And yeah. cause he is an elite player. He wouldn't be the first in this town who had that happen though. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. even if we're even, hardest on our stars, even think if you go back to Lindros, I don't think people understood how great Lindros was until it was over pretty much. No, because of the way it ended because of the way it ended. And, and yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, you know, even a Timmy Kerr kind of guy, you know, I, I oh, always be in the Hall of Fame. Timmy Cam Kerr was, in the ham- yeah, Tim Kerr Cam was in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Tim Kerr should be he hit four years. We had over 50 goals a year. I mean, it's some of the most prolific. I get the the game was different in the '80s when he played, but man, he was he sat in front of that net and took a beating. And yep. I remember him scoring one-handed goals. He was so big and so strong. And in '87, if he was healthy, they probably would have won that cup against the Edmonton Oilers, yeah. the greatest hockey team of all time, because of the goaltending that they got from Hexy. So yeah, yeah you're right. I, I think Tim Carr should be a Hall of Famer. I know some people are starting to pick up the case for it as well. Um, and that's yeah. what it takes to get in. So, and I'm not uh, saying yeah. that because I want a, a sure rental at a cheaper spot next year at, in Avalon. So, uh, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> well, look at Brian Prop's numbers too. Yeah. By the way, he's another guy that could get consideration. Uh, uh, hey, Chase, it, it, this is such a weird year. This might be like asking the wrong type of question, but the Flyers, because of the future, as you described it. It's almost like you look at this year as well. They're playing with house money because if they don't win, hey, we know they're probably going to be good next year or the year after. But you never know when these chances. We say that about teams, and it never materializes. Do you think they 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 aren't playing with a lot of pressure though? That they 
they as, as opposed to maybe some of the other teams in this tournament? Or am I underplaying that? I think there are teams playing in this tournament in a far different situation, especially coming out of a pandemic with a flat cap at $81.5 million. And you look at teams like Toronto, they're going to have a ton of decisions to make. Flyers are up against it, too. It's not going to be easy, but they're in a better situation because they have so many young players. But look at a team like Tampa. Mm-hmm. This is the last run for that that group because they got Anthony Sorelli. They have Braden Point. They got a lot of money. T- they're going to have to pay some young guys, and they pay guys like Kucherov and Stamkos and Hedman and Vasilevsky. So they got to make a lot of decisions. Those groups, I think, carry a different kind of pressure. I think every time you go in and you know, like people say, well, how are they going to get motivated with no fans? It, to me, it's really simple. There's three actual Stanley Cups. You grab one and you put it in Toronto. You leave one at the Hockey Hall of Fame. You grab one, you put it in Toronto. You have one, you put it in Edmonton. And instead of Pierre Maguire's shiny head between those benches, mm-hmm. you stick the cup. You case it in glass. Mm-hmm. You want motivation, boys? It's sitting right there. Yeah, It's that thing. It's that shiny trophy. There's your motivation. And I don't care whether you've been in 10 years in a row, you're in one year and out for the next 10. When you got an opportunity to, to win that, I mean, and you – I don't know if you guys ever picked it up. It's it's, it's heavy as pounds. hell. It's heavy as it's hell. It's the greatest. It's the greatest trophy in pro sports. It looks light because the guys that pick it up have so much adrenaline. When they first pick it up, they almost throw it through the ceiling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, when you have the chance to play for that, it's. I mean, I can't imagine. Like when the Flyers lost in 2010, um, the game ended probably 11 o'clock at night or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I got done the radio show. And um, I went out and I sat on the Flyers bench until 1.30 in the morning and watched the Blackhawks just skate around with it. And their family's out, beers all over the ice and cigars, the whole thing, right? And while, like, like I, I removed myself from being, like, a Flyer fan growing up and just sat there and wanted to, like, admire the moment. And I'm going, like, geez, as a guy who played the game, I'm going, man, imagine what it's like to earn that thing. Because you don't win it. You earn it. <laughs> And it's not given to you. You got some serious scars along the way. So, like, I, I look at it and go, as long as that thing's up for grabs, I've always said, no matter what you compete in at any level, even stupid beer league hockey that I still play, in, if they plug in the scoreboard and keep score, you want to yep. win. And then you take it to just a different level. I think any time you get in in the NHL, it's an opportunity to win that trophy. We've seen eight seeds win it. L.A. won it as an eight seed. So, to me... Um, there's always a pressure that comes with that, but there are other teams that carry a different level of burden where they know that this is the last run for that group. What is a, like, how would you approach those three games leading into the tournament? While, while the, the qualifier is going on and you're playing Boston and Tampa and, uh, uh Washington, Washington. Yeah. how would you, if you're Vigno, if do you work on your game? Do you care about seeding or is it, because I always felt like the most important game of their season was going to be that Tampa game on the night the pandemic hit. Because it was yeah. an opportunity to see how they bounce back after getting shut out by Russ. Uh, or to, to Garask, excuse me. Um, like, how do you, how do you, I guess it's a question of do you try to go for the number one seed because you need to keep, get that mojo back that you had? No, I think Vino has spoken about this, and I talked to him about it as well during the, during the pause. Um, those games are going to be treated as pseudo exhibition games with the opportunity to move up. The great thing is, is they don't, they can't move down. Right. So it's all gravy, whether you move up one or two, 
But the and difference I between playing Pittsburgh so and much good. the difference between playing maybe Pittsburgh and Carolina is huge. Maybe, maybe not though. You never know. What if uh, what if you're playing Pittsburgh and Matt Murray can't stop a puck coming out of a pandemic? Sidney Crosby. Well, if Crosby's hurt, that's secondary exposure. You like you have no idea. You know, you have no idea who's going to run good. Now, I agree with you because I think Pittsburgh is a team that they see this opportunity and they go. In a normal year, we may not have been a team that could win this, mm-hmm. but with what we've done in the playoffs and the, the you know pretty recently with back to back cups, this is an opportunity to collect another piece of hardware. Like I think that they're all business like. Malkin came back from Russia early. I was like, uh oh, look out for that team, right? Um, but that being said, you know, matchups in the NHL, it's like, be careful what you pick, you know, because you may end up going, man, I wish I still the four seed because I could have had this team in there more of a depressed state than the team that I got that's actually a number eight seed. So you never know. Uh, but but it stands to reason you want to move up, right? And you want last change as much as possible. And that's good for the Flyers, especially with a player like Couturier. Um, so, but I think he's going to approach it as if they're glorified exhibition games. And I think it's the right thing to do. I think he's going to try some different line combinations. He's got to get some more guys in. You can't go with the lineup that you're going to go with game one for every game of it. Because you're going to be in a situation at some point where whether it's Joel Farabee or Nate Thompson or somebody else that's going to have to come into this lineup because you're going to have injuries or you're going to have positive tests or you're going to have secondary exposure or whatever it might be. And you're going to lose these guys. And these guys also haven't played a game since the middle of March. So you want to you want to put some variance in your lineup. Now you don't have to go eight guys deep and put Igor Zamula in a game, but you got to put some guys in there so they can get some get some experience and knock off the rust. Because as much as you want to simulate it in these scrimmages at, at camp and stuff, you can't having the the exhibition game against the Penguins and the three round robin games gives them a good opportunity to to knock off the rust so that when their actual playoffs begin on August 11th, the field of 16, they're in good shape. Well, we see Elliott at some point in those four games. Absolutely. You may even see the lion at some point, a half a game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but absolutely. I think the game against Pittsburgh, if, if all is healthy and, and heart is fully back at that point, and he, he worked out today after the scrimmage, um, then what I'm told, he's, he's fine. It's nothing overly concerning. They're just being careful, and they didn't play in the scrimmage because he hadn't practiced the last two days, and they didn't want to put him into a, a, a situation like that. A higher plus tempo, they, right. Yeah, and they were doing a lot of power play work today, too. So it would have been a, a little bit more strenuous than normal. Um, but that being said, uh, I think that maybe they'll split that Pittsburgh game, and then Hart will get two out of the three of of the uh, – Or one, the yeah, one and two-thirds. Yeah, get you know a period and two-thirds. See what the score of a game is, whether – if you can get them out. If you're losing four to one, you get them out of there, and you put Elliott in, or you, you, know, you do different variations of that. Um, but they'll, but they'll both definitely see time. Elliot's looked really good, guys. I'm stunned. I look at the, I go, you know, I would think like young legs, young knees would be the the call to, the call of duty here. But Elliot comes in at 33 years old, and he looks st- sensational the way he's played in camp. I've been really impressed with Brian Elliott. Mike, Chase, is there a team? I mean, obviously, you look at Boston, you look at Tampa. They'll be the two favorites going in, no matter what happens in the seeding thing. The Flyers have done pretty well against the Caps this year. But is there a team that you look at and say, man, they, they're really going to have a tough time beating that team? And conversely, is there a couple teams you look at and say, you know what, 
I think they could do pretty good against those teams, you know, even if maybe people on the outside aren't looking at it that way. Yeah, it's weird because you're right. Like, you look at some teams and I go, like, I look at the Islanders and I go, man, I'd love to see that team. Now, they didn't have good luck against the Islanders this year, right? right. But I look at that team, I looked at kind of what they were in the, the, the last third of what became the, the regular season. I just saw some things about the Islanders that, that were alarming if I'm an Islander fan. I mean, they had a 4-1 lead in the third period and blew it and lost it in overtime. That never happens to a Barry Trotz team, right? Uh, I saw Matt Barzell being benched in a third period in the second half of the game, and, I, and I'm going, that's alarming to me. But So I'd like to see that team, and I don't believe in their goaltending a tremendous amount, at least not this year. I'll believe in it going forward with the new guy they just signed. But um, So I see them. I see Carolina. That's not a team that scares me either because I see Peter Morazic and James Reimer. I go, all day, boys. No problem. You know, we're going we're gonna to win that battle. And we're gonna we'll trade chances with you, and we we can be better offensively than you can be. Um, but teams like you know like Boston, Boston's in an interesting situation because David Pasternak, who should have been a Hart finalist, has not skated yet. No. Um, so and he's not going to skate until he gets in the bubble, if if even immediately then. So what is David Pasternak? I mean, he had forty eight goals this year, tied Ovechkin for the Richard. Is he injury um, or COVID? COVID. It's not, he doesn't have it but there was some exposure or something. There's a lot of weird things going on here with this. Him and David Kashe, who both came over from the Czech Republic together, um, are in this kind of protocol. I mean, they, they held out nine players at one point. Things have not gone great for that team um, since phase three started. So I look at that and I go, okay, that's, that's interesting. But by August 11th, you know, 11th when it starts, will he have skated then? I don't know. And that's a team with a lot of old legs, like Chris Bergeron, not a young man. Uh, yeah. Chara, not a young man. Yeah, freaks, great players. But again, is it young legs or is it veterans in this situation? Especially early in the playoffs, you catch them earlier, you catch them later. So, uh, th- a lot of those situations come into play. Look, I look at a team like the Caps, who the Flyers went three zero and one against this year. Tremendous against the Caps. Ovechkin did not have a point against the Flyers. Was minus two in those games. Uh, but I don't want to face the Caps. <laughs> not in right. the playoffs. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I still look at them as a lethal team that's been there done that won a cup in 2017 so that that's a team i think is a real tough matchup uh ovi's an absolute beast so um so that's a team i don't love the tampa one i'm not sure what they're gonna be i really don't they're a great team but i mean they spit the bit last year against columbus and got swept in the first round is there's just some not buy-in there with john cooper in this situation i don't know um but the teams I, I would really look to, I, I still think Boston's going to be a tough out. I think Washington's a tough out. I look out for Columbus. I think Columbus knocks out Toronto for sure. I just think that that team is, with all the health that they have coming back, and Seth Jones and, and you know, Wierenski and, and getting back Cam Atkinson, I think that's a team that's going to be a really tough out. Um, so there's there's a few teams that I think that could are going to be going to shock some people, and Pittsburgh's going to be a tough one too. I How do you think about that? Chase, how do you think other teams look at the Flyers? Because a lot of national people seem to pick them as, I don't know, whatever you would call it, like a dark, you know, legit dark horse, however you want to phrase it. Do you think other people around the league look at the Flyers and say, hey, we might not want to tangle with them? Yeah, I think so for a couple of reasons. One, because of how they ended right before the pandemic. So they look at that and had they just flown into the playoffs playing at that kind of clip that nobody would have won a part of them then. But people are wondering legitimately, are they a team that's going to be able to recapture being that team they were before the break? Um, so, th- so that's a legitimate that's a legitimate question. But um, 
The reason why teams don't want to tangle with them is because you have some really upper end skill. You have some good, really good young players. You got a guy like Niskanen who's won a cup. You have goaltending, and you have Elaine Vigneault. Right. And they have such tremendous depth scoring. Like you see the odd goal from a guy like one game, it's Nicholas Albe Kubel, right? And then the next game, Tyler Pitt like flies down the wing and puts in an important go ahead goal against Columbus, right? In a, in a home and home situation. And then all of a sudden, oh, James Van Riemsdyk starts to heat up and, and his hands are dialed in. And then when he's not connecting, he's always flying and Voracek's flying. So they're a team that's it's like, where do you, and Kevin Hayes, and he's good shorthanded and the penalty kills so much better and the power plays. Yeah, pretty good too. I mean, like where, what do you shut down to stop them in their tracks? That's the question. And then you make these two deadline acquisitions and Nate Thompson who gets traded at every deadline to a team that's going to want to run. Why? Cause he's exactly what you need for a playoff run, <laughs> you know? And then Derek Grant who ends up with 14 goals in total this year and in 69 games or whatever it was, who's a much more skilled player than people even know. And you didn't give up anything to get him. And then you have Farabee who has, you know, doesn't make the team out of camp, but now has another training camp and basically has his rookie year under his belt and is almost in a way heading into year two. Yeah. So what is he going to be? You know what I mean? There's so, there's so many variables here that make them so dangerous and complex, but very interesting to see how they're going to perform. All right, Jason, I'm going to throw these eight series at you real quick. Just give me a pick when I get, when I give it to you. Penguins and Canadians can carry price uh, force that deep at least. Um, if they win game one, yeah, they can force it deep because then you got to beat a team three out of four, and that's really hard to do. Uh, um, you're taking Pittsburgh, though, I assume. They won't win game one, though. Pittsburgh's going to, yeah, Pittsburgh wins it in four. It's uh, just a superior hockey team. Her- and from some reporting that I've seen, the Canadians don't even really want to be there. <laughs> her- well, and the strange part is if you lose in this round, you may get the number one pick, which is weird. Uh, French-Canadian her- kid, Alex Lafreniere. <laughs> exactly. Hurricanes-Rangers. Rangers. In four? Uh, I'm going to say five. Okay. But uh, the Rangers are going to win that series. The, the, they have the better goaltending, which is Sturkin. Uh, Hendrik Lundqvist has started 124 straight games in the playoffs for the Rangers. That'll end. Yeah. Uh, it'll be Shesterkin and 10-2 um, and two in the regular season with a 943 save percentage. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> Islanders and Panthers in a friends and family series because I think that'll be the only one paying attention. So. Uh, advantage here, Panthers, because they never play in front of fans. That's <laughs> so, true. And, yeah, and you got, and you got Columbus over the Leafs. I do, yeah. I actually I like think Toronto. That's in five. I think Toronto do wins you? that series. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I, I, just, I just don't think it's going to be like a playoff series. It's be, Toronto needs it to be high-flying, and Tortorella finds a way to kind of drag that, it's gonna drag be, that into it's one It's going to be interesting game. to see how Matthews is after he had his little COVID incident as well. Mm-hmm. He looked great in camp. Edmonton versus Chicago. Chicago, I don't think, even wants to be there. Sweep, sweep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, the Oilers move on. Uh, Preds and Coyotes. Um, I think this one's going to end up going to the Coyotes. Okay. I just don't believe in the Preds. Really? Yeah, I don't know who even know who their goalie's going to be. You know, are they yeah. going to go with Pekka or are they going to go with UC Soros? Uh, Pe- you know, it's going to be the end of Pekka's time in Nashville, isn't it? He's got one more year left on his deal, but... Um, I imagine they'll end up going with him in this situation unless he hasn't looked good in camp, which I'm not sure of. But um, I look at Darcy Kemper, the goalie for the the Coyotes, and when he was healthy this year, he was, he was really as good, good as they come. Yeah, yeah so Ky- that, that's a team I like. Canucks and Wild. Um, the Wild were playing pretty good before the break, too. They made a coaching change, um, but but I'm going to take the, the, the Canucks here. Quinn Hughes, I- uh, Elias Patterson, Brock Besser. I think Jacob Markstrom, I think, was the best goalie in the league this year. 
wasn't nominated for the Vesna, but his goal saved above average right. um, was the best in the NHL considering environment. Um, they win that series, Vancouver does. And, and most fascinating series to me, Flames and Jets. Because yeah, Winnipeg played really well at the end of uh, before the before the break. Yeah, and there's a lot of chatter in Calgary that to- Johnny Gaudreau a showed up to camp not not in shape. Um, number one, number two, that he's only got two years left on his deal after this year. That if they don't get it done, it could be time to break up that group. Not because they don't like Johnny Gaudreau, but they they feel like they wouldn't be able to sign him. They get more from him with two years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I look at this one and I look at Hellebuck and he's going to win the Vesna. He was so good this year. He could have been a heart nominee as good as he was. They lost, they lost five of their top six defensemen, that team with Truba and Tyler Myers and Bufflin. And uh, you, you look at that team and it's amazing. They are where they are, but Winnipeg is going to end up winning that series. They're going to knock Calgary. I just don't think Calgary's built for the playoffs. They were the top seed in the, in the Western conference the year before. And they just got bounced out in the first round and looked meek in doing it. Who wins so, the cup? Um, you know, I look at, I look at a team like Vegas and, you know, bringing in Pete DeBoer, they really had it going. I think they're a team that could come out of the West. Um, I think out of the East, Boston. um, I got, Bo- I got Boston. In Vegas. Uh, I don't have Boston. I, I don't think that they can do it two years in a row. And I think that team's just getting long in the tooth. I think Tampa ends up going to the cup out of the East. And I think out of the West, it's either going to be Vegas or, I mean, man, it's so tough to predict this because we just don't know what anybody's be. Could it be St. Louis again? I wouldn't be shocked. Chief has done an unbelievable job to turn that team around, do what he did to win a cup, then come back when everybody knows you're good and be the top team in the West. How is he not a Jack Adams finalist? Because you know what I mean? It's easy to I mean, that them. is a tremendous... Mm-hmm. It's easy. No, to Bruce Cassidy's got you know he's yeah. got all that talent up there, and he's a finalist. Yeah, Bruce Cassidy. So Mike, drop some pucks, man. I got to call my bookie. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, dude, there's going to be like six games a day. It's like noon. It's going like to be one the NCAA in the tournament. Yeah, it's going to be total madness between that and the NBA and everything. It's going to be like insane. You know what the best part of all this is? We'll have highlights. Yeah. Like yeah. I've lived without highlights, and I'm a highlights guy because I don't like to watch a lot of games or whatever. I'll be watching Law & Order reruns or something. But then I can turn my TV on, you know, for an hour at night and find out all I need to know. It's That part of it's going to be awesome. I got to get current. Yeah. I got to get current. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jason. It's going to be great because I, I, I said, like, the other day on my podcast, I said it's going to be like there's a hockey buffet like a vegas buffet you know <laughs> a casino buffet which are out and of I'm style right up. now but go ahead yeah but i'm gonna walk up with like three plates <laughs> and i'm gonna keep going all day like i'm gonna be a glutton i'm just gonna go nuts on it i'm gonna poison myself with so much I, hockey I, i've got you know the key yeah you know the key to the buffets though no, you gotta pace yourself jace you can't like eat three plates in 15 minutes you gotta you know you go up you get some you go back eat it you let it digest a little and you go back and it can turn into like a five plater. Yeah, it's the tortoise in the hair. <laughs> yeah, I got to I got to ask Jason this while while Kern's on the line because I got to get Kern's reaction. Your your reaction to the Seattle Kraken nickname <laughs> that was announced today, Mike? You have you seen this? I know what a yeah I know what a kraken is. It's like a monster, right? Like a Nordic monster. Yeah, Scandinavian For, sea monster. Is I mean, what it is. like it's a bit minor league feeling to me, but. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't know how that ties into Seattle. 
maybe they have Krakens out there. I have I have no idea, but I would have tried to come up with something that was maybe more Seattle-ish, but it, know, they were going to be sockeye. It, it was going to be the Seattle sockeye, right? Oh, yeah. okay. how about the Seattle fish throw in the market? You know, something like that. I, mean, I don't. Well, know. that's the idea with the you know the fish market and the whole thing. But uh, I'll tell you what, they hit a home run with the uniform. The uniform's the uniform awesome, great. Um, but look, the Kraken feels minor leagueish now because they haven't played a major sports game as a Kraken yet. Right. And so, um, look, I think it'll be cool. Uh, they went outside the box, so I'm good with that. The color scheme resembles res- Vancouver pretty closely, though. And given that they're and, neighbors, it's a it's yeah, that's their geographic rival yeah. per se across the sound. So, um, but no, it's good. They'll get a 30 second team in not next year, but the year after. Ron Francis is the GM. I imagine they'll they'll name a coach soon. And but um, I, I thought they did a good job in the way they unveiled it and and kind of built it up. And and that's a good market. Yeah. That's a that's a really good sports market. And for them to have a, yeah. a winner team after the Sonics left and the NHL going in there, I thought is is a good move. What's with the NHL, by the way? And final question from me: What's with the NHL making good business moves, like extending the CBA? I mean, I'm no. Stunned. <laughs> I mean, Don Fear and, and Gary Bettman look like, you know, Genius. geniuses at this point. Well, it's in Gary Bettman's tenure, I think it's been nine since 92. Every time there's been a CBA up, they've had a stoppage. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Right. And they lost an entire season and have played multiple 48 game seasons. Um, so to, to in this situation, to get a deal done, to handle it publicly the way they did is stunning to me. And all along, you knew that they had to, with that with that Seattle team coming in, with a new television contract coming up that same year, and with the pain that they had to share with the players right now and this crazy loss of revenue, and they would have lost $1.3 billion, that they had to work together. And the fact that they accomplished this in less than four months, and they got an extension to the CBA, and look, there are parts of it the players don't like, and there's parts that the owners don't like. Um, but the one thing about it is, is they work together to create a situation to make sure there wasn't a stoppage because that could have been catastrophic. And what I was told, and I I was told this from somebody that really knows their stuff, told me that the NBA and the NHL were in the same boat here, that had they not returned here to this season to to finish this season in the playoffs and mitigate the losses, neither sport would have been able to return until a vaccine and full buildings were out. So if that's the case, and if that's true, then the stick taps go even more into the NHL's direction and the NBA because this is not a good situation financially for either of these leagues with all that they right. lost. They just wouldn't have been able to come back and support it with the lo- that much loss of revenue and the fact that they're going to try and cut that, I guess, in half per se and mitigate the damage of no fans and, and everything with this, it's going to allow them to be able to come back in December and start their next season without full buildings. Eventually, we'll get back to yeah. full buildings and I can't wait. But- assuming that we're Assuming that we're... In, in maybe a better place. Yeah. I mean, we don't they, they know won't be there. They won't be there in December. Right. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're hoping by next year in, in February that buildings are right. pretty much full again and everybody's, the economy's doing well and people are buying tickets. And then when playoffs happen, that it, it's certainly full. Uh, but again, we don't know any of that for sure. And to, to not have a work stoppage and have labor peace in the NHL through 2026 is a huge thing. And, and you're right, Kev. I'm stunned. It's the biggest headline of this whole thing that the NHL Bettman, Bill Daly and the NHL PA and Donald fear came to an agreement and it didn't get ugly. That to me is tremendous. And especially when you uh, consider the TV deal coming in too, because you're looking at, there's going to yeah. be multiple partners. It sounds like on this next TV deal. 
Yeah, oh, I think ESPN is going to be involved. Yeah. NBC. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I'm, no, I'm shocked that Gary Bettman's been the the commissioner that long. Well, yeah. he actually has done a very good job. I but mean, that's a look, long time to be yeah. commissioner. It's gone on yeah. thirty years. Yeah, wow. I mean, think about it too. Um, you know, when they instituted the salary cap after the 0405 lockout, the salary cap was thirty nine million dollars. It's eighty one and a half now. That's crazy. Man. Imagine yeah. a thirty nine million dollar salary cap. And the, and, and geez, that, that's four players on the Leafs. Uh, Jason Martinez from 97.5 The Fanatic and Flyers. You're still doing the podcast with the Flyers, correct? Yep, still doing Flyers daily. Um, you hear all the uh, tons of interviews. The team's been great about getting me whoever I want. Talk to everybody, players, coaches, you name it. Um, and, and it's been really cool to do and kind of deep dive into stuff that you normally wouldn't be able to do when they're playing games through the pause. But yeah, we're, we're ramping it up every day. We'll be doing podcasts. So to be there in your inbox every morning, I post them uh, late at night every night. And throughout this whole playoff run, we'll be knocking them out. So hopefully everybody will check it out. And it will be hey. it will be interesting. Go ahead, Mike. Chase, have a good Saturday. Sa- yeah, I'm off on this Saturday. <laughs> but is, ta- is Tagger playing this week, Mike? No. Tagger, no, he, Tagger back is bothering him. He's got a bad back, man. Oh, uh, it's no good. It's what, I'm, two, I'm weeks, up- two weeks to the PGA, Mike? Yeah, and so, yeah, two weeks. Um, I, I mean, I'm guessing he's going to play in the PGA, but I don't know how effective he's going to be. But then as soon as I say that, he'll go out and win the PGA. So, yeah. you well, know. Here's the good uh, news. We missed the Masters and it daggered a big corner. But 111 days from taping is the Masters coming up on <laughs> November 12th. We hope. I got, hope. That. I got hope. that on my countdown <laughs> He has timer. it on his countdown timer. Yes. Tiger. Tiger hit the ball in the water. <laughs> that is the most, north, his, that is the most northeast Philly sounding sentence in the history of mankind. So uh, proud of it, Jason. Thank you very much. Tiger, Tiger. Thanks, be boys. good, man. Be good. Be good, boys. Great job filling in for Mikey Miss this week. When we oh, come back, you. Mike and I will talk some different topics. Uh, baseball's expanded playoffs. What a mess. We'll be back right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work It to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work It to Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. All right, thanks to Jason Martinez for joining us here on uh, Work in the Beat. Uh, one of Mike's favorites and one of my favorites. Jason's one of the good dudes in the in this business. And we always Look, have I'm, I'm not a hockey guy. I used to be a hockey guy. I used to know everybody in the league, but yeah, whatever. 32 teams listening a lot. Him, listening to him talk about that, the way he rips names off, like, and I'm just like, he, he must really be into it, like, nonstop. He has to be with the job he has and everything. But he really, you could ask him almost anything. And now I don't know if all his answers were, were right or not, but pretty I mean, close. Pretty close. I mean, you know, he was giving you, you know, some, some thoughts about who's going to win and who's going to do this and, it's, it's just nice to have – look, I'm still a little ambivalent about a lot of this because I just – you know, I'm watching the Nats game here, and it's it's hard. But 
it's good to have it back because I don't know how long we're going to have it. You know, you hope that you're going to have it well, all the way through. Do you think, um, well, and that leads to the question, do you think the two bubbles have a better shot at making it through than what baseball is doing and what the NFL is going to try to do? I would think just based on the fact that you're in a bubble. Um, but then again, the, the flip side of a bubble, Kevin, is if something does happen and you break out, you're in a bubble. You're in a bubble. Yeah. So then it might work against you. Um, but I, I have a feeling that Major League Baseball, barring something catastrophic, which I'm not saying that can happen, they're going to get through it because they may not be playing all the best players every night. Right. You know, guys might, like Soto's, you know, not going to pitch or whatever he's at. And I think the real speed bump is going to be if a team, like if there's a positive test that comes out, that screws it up where maybe you have to forfeit a game because maybe you can't, maybe you're waiting for a test result. Yeah. And, and the teams that you just played, you know, now maybe some of their players are going to start getting antsy about, you know, we just played these guys. I, I, I can't foresee all that, but I am convinced that they're going to do everything within their ability mm-hmm. to push through. I don't know if that's right, wrong or whatever, but I think they have the right intentions um, whether they have the right um, procedures in place, I, I you know, I, I can't well, say for a hundred percent. Well, let's let's look also when you look at the at baseball situation. They announced today, about two hours before this Yankee uh, national game to get this started, that um, there will be a new playoff format, and this year it will be sixteen teams as opposed to the normal ten. Instead of a one-game wild-card playoff winner-take-all between basically the four and five seeds, you're going to have best-of-three series in both leagues for teams one through eight. And one of the parts of the structure is that if you finish in second place in your division, you are guaranteed to get into the playoffs. So that is... It's a big radical change for baseball, and I get that they could try different things this year. But I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they're going to regret it if the Dodgers or the Yankees are the best team clearly, and somebody goes home early. It's a chance you take. I mean, it, you know, will it look look? Did it look stupid that the Nats won last year as the wild card team? I mean, I, you know, we've had wild card teams win before, um, but let's say for the sake of argument, the eighth seed. And I'm not saying it's going to happen because if you're the eighth seed, you're probably, yeah, you're probably the eighth seed for a reason. But you know how playoffs are. You know, you, you get, now the eighth seed is going to have to play all three games on the road in the first series, which is going to be hard to win. To but we just saw a World Series where all seven games were won by the road teams. And if there's not fans in the stands, you know how much of the home field advantage, other than batting last. Is really negated. And maybe, I, yeah, maybe knowing your ballpark, like the nooks and crannies, playing balls off walls. That's about it. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it's this is why I treat this season. I, I know some team at the end is going to be having a parade somewhere, and if it's L.A. or if it's the Yankees or if it's Houston, if it's one of those kind of teams, we'll all sit there and say, see, you know, it, but if, if some goofy team wins, it always have to me a sense of it wasn't real. And I know maybe that's not fair to the team that wins it, at least in the NBA and the NHL, as as different as it's going to be, I can say. But they played 65 games. You know, we, we had a glimpse of what they were. And in, 
especially in the NBA, usually the best teams are going to get to the finals. They might not this year, I mean, but they usually do. NHL is the NHL. I mean, anything can happen in the NHL. But baseball, to me, I just look at it, and maybe, look, some people might look at it and say it's a good thing that it's different. I don't. Well, but I understand under the circumstances, you have no choice but to do it this way. Let, let me let me kind of throw this scenario at you. Right now, everybody would say the Yankees and Dodgers are, are the clear favorites. Yeah, they're clearly the best teams in it. Well, Houston's still pretty good, though, right? Right, but I think with, with Cole going to the, from the Astros to the Yankees, I think most people would say the Yankees are probably yeah. the favorites in the American League. Yeah, okay. If those two end up in the World Series, is it an illegitimate season? But, see, it still doesn't it, – it, it, it will give it the look. But what I'm saying is baseball is a 162-game season. Right. That's what makes baseball. It's unlike any other sport. It's double the NBA, double the NHL. And this year it's a third of that. So it'd be like playing a six-game NFL season and the Patriots and the Chiefs got to the Super – or the, Patriot, the Chiefs and uh, – Seattle got to the Super Bowl. Whoever the favorite in the NFC was, you say, well, see there, the best teams got there. But you don't know what would have happened in all those other games. Let me flip We'll, the- we'll never know. I mean, you know, Garrett right. Cole gets hurt or five Yankee starters get hurt like they did last year. Um, and it's just, look, I- I'm okay because there's no – you have to do it this way. We They missed four months. But I'm just saying, me – I mean, and I know in this town, if the Phillies get hot and all of a sudden they're going to be in the playoffs, and, and let's face it, if they don't make the playoffs now, something's wrong. Right. Um. Then you well, got that was going to that was going to be my next question. You know, we I mean we've talked on this show about the fact that Matt Clintock is going to get another year no matter what because it's only sixty games. But if you can't finish in the top eight right now, if you can't finish likely third in your division. Boy, I, 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 does that change what's going on? Yeah, but you can finish third in your division and not get a wild card. Um, no, I mean, but, a, a, yeah, but top two in your division for this team but is again, doable. Kevin, it's a sixty. But again, it's a sixty-game schedule. We, everything is off. I mean, in a hundred and sixty-game schedule, you should say, "Ed." I mean, and I, the Phillies were the fourth favorite, I think, betting-wise in their division. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, they're behind they the Mets, right? So, so let's we'll go in with the notion that America or Las Vegas doesn't think they're going to make the playoffs. Now we in Philadelphia there has been now there has been a change in some of the dynamics because of Syndergaard being out for the uh, for, right. for the Mets. Sure, Marcus and, and Marcus he, Stroman's likely going to start. In fact, is starting the season on the D, on the IL. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. if if the Phillies, God forbid, finish third. And lost out on the wild card by a game or tiebreaker or whatever. I mean, would it be disappointing? Sure, you, you, but but like it wouldn't be a reason for me to jump off the Ben Franklin. It it and by the same token, if they finish, let's say second in their division, and and they have a pretty good year, you know, they win 36, 37, 38 games, whatever. I'm not going to then say, hey, the Phillies are one of the best teams in baseball. I mean. Everything is skewed. I, I saw a thing, I think it was on ESPN today, where they had the Phillies ranked right in the middle. Mm-hmm. It was like 16 or right. which seems to me to be about right. right. I, but once a season starts, you know, let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, you're the team that wins five extra inning games this year because, you know, 
with the runner put, getting put on second base or something. Or every, every, you got to judge everything. You should, now, look, if Nola goes out and has a Cy Young kind of year, you can say, hey, yeah. We, or if Bryce Harper goes out and has an MVP year, yeah, we, we kind of expect that. But as far as a team expectation, I, I just don't know if I can. They, they could win the division for all I know. How yeah, much? They, who knows? How much pressure is on Matt Clintac now, though, after the Mookie Betts signing to get JT Real Muto back here? I I think what you said before. I I think he's coming back. I mean, look, there's pressure no matter what if whether Mookie Betts signed with the Angels or not. That has Dodgers. nothing to do Dodgers. Dodgers. I'm sorry. I mean, it has nothing to do with the Philly situation. Mookie Betts was going to get money where where the Phillies traded a legitimate prospect. To get Riamulto, whether that prospect will ever turn out, who the hell knows. He's an important player on this team who does happen to be getting older and playing a position where you don't play as long, usually. Now, if they're going to make him a first baseman someday, you know, if that's the plan at some point. They I mean, will have the DH I, option, obviously, it sounds like. The DH, you're right, that's coming in. But I'm just saying, I think it's important that they sign him. But is it important they sign him for $24 million a year? I don't know. I, I I'll be blunt. I've been one that said don't worry about him because I'm not sure how many bidders are going to be out there. Okay, but why for, not? But for peace of mind, he is the number one free agent now in this class coming forward. Yeah, they've they got to get this done, and they got to. But that done probably means that probably means the Phillies aren't going to be the only bidder. Uh, I mean, that's just how baseball works. There's got going to be some team out there with money. That might need a catcher. It won't be the Yankees, I guess. Um, no, they got Sanchez. The Dodgers, Maybe the, the Dodgers Mets. catcher. Yeah, who's the Dodgers catcher? Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Okay, but it's not somebody that we would think of as like. No, and I've know, heard the Dodgers being connected to to which I'm called as well. So let's be fair. I mean, he okay. was mentioned yesterday as the Dodgers because the Dodgers have a lot of money coming off their uh, off their ca- off their uh, payroll. Uh, so uh, their catcher is. We can have, sal- have a salary cap next year. <laughs> well, and, and that and that's the other thing. If you're if you're a real Mudo, do you look at the market and say maybe you take the qualifying offer, which will be about nineteen million, twenty million, with the idea hey, you don't know what the structure is going to be beyond next year because of the collective bargaining agreement. It's very Kevin. Weird. Me or you would take the nineteen or twenty million. A lot of people would. He seems like he is fixated, at least from what we're reading. On becoming the highest paid catcher ever, which leads okay. to the, which leads to the next point. If you don't re-sign him, how pissed does the guy in right field become? Uh, the guy in right field is here for the next eleven or twelve years. I I don't care what the guy in right field thinks. It, it it should have nothing to do with the guy in right field. The guy in right field signed his contract. He's here for the rest of his career unless they trade him somewhere. Well, somehow, he can become time. miserable, and he so did what? that in Washington. Well. But, but you've signed him. I mean, if you're going to make every move based on what Bryce Harper thinks, the move should be you've got to decide if you're the Philly. How old is Ryan Multo going to be next year? 30. 31? 30. 30, okay. So do you got to determine, do you still think he has three or four years left as a top-flight catcher who you can also use as a DH or maybe another position at some mm-hmm. point? Because, I mean, let's say Ryan Multo becomes a DH in two years. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Are you paying that guy $24 million? You know, the fact that he's a catcher and is one of the best catchers in baseball is what makes him worth $24 million. 
So it's easy for us to say, yes, let's, it's not my money. I don't care. But I'm just saying the Phillies aren't, I don't think are just going to sit there and obviously they're not going to say, they're not willing to give him what he wants or it would have been done by now. Right. And the market, as you said, we don't know what the market's going to be like. And it's going to be a real quick no, but market. The, but right? the be- yeah, yeah, it's, who knows? I mean, I don't know. But I mean, with, I don't know. with the bets contract does set a little bit of the market now. The bets contract, he, fairly or not, he, makes it more like it would have traditionally been. But if bets didn't make that money, somebody would have. The money doesn't go down. I mean, it might, because of the economics, maybe it won't go up as much. But the, the money never comes down. Every year somebody signs a contract and we go, oh, my Ooh, God, that's the biggest contract get, anybody I'm, ever signed. Mike, I get it. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. They're, they're playing a game of poker is what they're doing. They're playing a game of poker. Mm, it's high risk. And it is high obviously, but it's high risk on both sides. Mm-hmm. Because if Rio Molto really wants to be, you know, you said the right fielder. Maybe the catcher should go to the right fielder and say, hey, I really want to be, or, or the right fielder should go to the catcher and say, you know, you really. I left money really on the table for you, which is what he said yesterday. But is it worth $24 million? I don't have that answer. That that catching record stood for almost a decade. Yeah, it did. That Joe Maurer signed. Um, you know, Buster Posey doesn't make now. Buster Posey ain't the best catcher in baseball anymore. But he, you know, he he didn't sign a twenty million dollar contract at some point. I don't know what's fair. I don't know if twenty million's fair. If if I mean, what was the arbitration issue over between fourteen and twelve? Or twelve, yeah. Because he wanted to set a new mark for arbitration. Um, and he didn't. Yeah, he didn't get it. Right? And he didn't get it. Uh, final point before we say goodnight. And by the way, we should point out Russ, Ross Tucker will be here on Monday. We're recording on Monday uh, to talk uh, NFL as uh, training camps begin to get underway. Uh, the Washington NFL team uh, announced their name for the next season, and it will be the Washington NFL team. They will not shoehorn a new nickname in their color scheme. They have taken the logo off the side of the helmet. They have replaced it with numbers. Uh, Daniel Snyder is putting a temporary name in, and that's, I have to say, is probably a good move on his part because he just needs to get out of this mess he's in right now. Well, they weren't going to make up a new name in a week. It wasn't going to happen because all the market, for many reasons, um, this way, they're going to have an entire off season to put a name in, sell merchandise, come up with a logo. Um, I think another interesting thing is apparently now the Indians are going to talk to Native Americans about their name. Yeah. Uh, whether that's going to, you know, um, hey, look, I, I mean, it, it, it whatever, it, it, whatever they want to call themselves for this year to get past this year, I, you know, I, I, I get it. it it's. It's a messy situation. It's yeah. it's there's going to be other messy situations and and you know uh, it it probably should have been done a long time ago. But the fact that it wasn't done long time ago, and it's not just Daniel Snyder. You know, we we point to him. He's the bad guy. He's the villain. He's the guy that said, right, "Well, I'm not going to change the name." But yeah, you know, it could have been changed before he took over. I mean, yep. it could have been. Yeah, you know, well, why didn't let, let me ask you this quick, quick well, question, Kevin? All right. let, why in like 1985? Or 1980, then Pete Rosell, who was who's the, the, the or Paul boo. Well, but but Rosell was regarded as one of the best commissioners who ever lived. Sure, and I'm not saying Tagliabue wasn't good, but I'm just saying 
Why didn't he come out 30, 40 years ago and say, hey, this has to be changed? No. Times so change. So we're all guilty. We're all guilty of living with it. You know, um, We'll also point out there's a high school right near us that has the nickname as well, the old nickname, and they are not giving you are you are correct. Now let me ask you: Is anybody up there? Um, oh, there, there's there's noise? a fight. There's a fight. There there's a fight. I mean, and they view it as an honor. They view it uh, uh the 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 school views it as an honor of uh, Native Americans. Um, and, okay, and I. They're pretty dug in on this one. Um, okay. You know, having, I'm co- sure, having covered I'm that sure for that, years. I'm sure that high school is not the only high school in America no. that has that nickname. No, but they but, are They are in this area. In a, in a big market, they are as locked in as anyone to that name. I will say that. Yeah. I, and, and, but I'm just saying, if we're going to be, and I'm not saying we should be politically correct, we should not, but to me, if it's offensive to a certain race of people then it should be offensive to everybody you know if, if we if we if we had a team that was nicknamed you know to south philly and put in some derogatory name for an italian american that gets used every day probably and italian americans didn't like it should i as a non-italian american say well that's too bad you know that's your name and so but because it's native americans and we've you know moved them off the face of the earth pretty much i i and the only thing that's going to make anybody change a name is money. Yeah. That's what it's, it always comes down to that. You know that. So if, if everybody at that high school is, is, is you know, if it, there's not money involved, if, you know, I'll bet you if, if a hundred of the biggest supporters of that high school came up and said, might we as well just say it. it's in the Chamonix. I mean, what's well, the Chamonix. And if, and if people came up and said, well, I'm not going to support you anymore, or I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to, be your football coach anymore. Yeah, they probably would get changed, but you know. uh, no, and you're right. I want to leave you on a, on a funny note. It's not funny in theory, but kind of shows where the NCAA is. So Mark Emmert was appeared before the Senate judiciary committee yesterday about the name likeness and image uh, controversy, basically with video games and how player uh, players may get the right to make money off their name and everything going forward. And, Somebody asked Mark Emmerich if any college had pulled their scholarship for a player who didn't play. Like, in other words, that, you know, had an injury and didn't play. Okay. And Emmerich hemmed and hawed and said, no, I, I don't know of any. And, and we both know that's not true. I mean, we know there's been college scholarships that have been yanked by universities for a lot of reasons. And I just find it hilarious that the, the head of NCAA looked like a complete buffoon yesterday in front of Congress. Well, yeah, well, look, if you're a buffoon, you're a buffoon, whether you're in front of Congress or you're at Wendy's. I mean, um, you know, I, mean, I don't if, think Mark Emmert's ever eaten at a Wendy's in his life. I, I don't think, Kevin, and I, I don't think people very often get their scholarships taken away. I, I'm sure it happens. But I don't see because we would see the stories, and and I don't see those stories. I don't see where like every once in a while you hear a story about a university's trying to jerk a kid's chain. Maybe he's trying to transfer. Maybe mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I I would think most universities wouldn't take scholarships away. But the rule is, the scholarship is a one year deal. Right. 
That's the way it's written. So in all technicality, Jay Wright could sit there at the end of every year and say, you know, Jimmy Jones, you you know, you didn't really turn out to be the player we thought you were going to be. We're giving up your scholarship. They don't do that. No. But by rule, I think they could. So maybe the rule needs to be rewritten. I, I you know, we've seen this like when when a, players can't transfer, uh, but the coaches can leave. And yeah. we've always said, well, that's stupid. You know, the kid goes to Villanova not because of Villanova. He goes because of Jay Wright. You know, so if Jay Wright left tomorrow and the kid wants to leave, he should be allowed to leave. But I, it's the NCAA. Well, yeah, you know, come on. And, and if you want to, if you want another story that you should look up this week, it's uh, another great edition of Real Sports on HBO with Brian Gumble. Uh, they in the second segment. It's right after they have a roundtable about the pro sports restart about how colleges are bringing players in when they won't bring their own staffs back to college. And some of the uh, legal clauses they're trying to, the, the legal waivers they're trying to get players to sign uh, in order to play football this year. So Did that surprise you? Well, <laughs> I mean. We've talked about this. We've talked about this. I know. How can a college, a university of higher learning or whatever, however you want to detail it, Put athletes in positions they wouldn't put other people in, and whether it's other fellow student athletes or, as you're saying, right. coaches or staff. It is, it is so stupid. But the people at the Alabamas and the Auburns of the world and the Clemson, they need their college football. Yeah, they do. And this is wrong. Yeah. And you know, and if I was a kid, I'm telling you. Now, it's easy for me to say it. I'm not the 20 year old kid trying to make the NFL. Right. I would never sign a waiver. I There's wouldn't no, either. No way. And and any parent shouldn't, but you make the argument, hey, if the 20-year-old kid gets sick, the chances are, as, as we've heard this stated many times, he's not really going to get that sick. No. And, you know, he'll be over it in a few days or whatever. Well, okay, fine. Then let the assistant coach come in. Yep. You know, let, it, it's the stupid – it's the same argument in schools. Well, the kids aren't going to get sick. Oh, but the teachers might. Oh, okay, okay. No. Well – this is the world that we're living in now, Kevin. It so much of it doesn't make sense because we've been thrown out of whack, and we don't know how to get our whack back, and we're just doing it without really thinking about it because we got to get back. Instead of saying it's going to take some time, and we're all going to come out of this better, yeah, you know, we're all going to survive. No, that's not good enough. And um, this is what we are. What's the word I'm looking for here? I'm going to, we are almost, um, um, we need sports so much Mm -hmm. that it's become almost like, like stupid how much we need sports and especially college sports. You know, pros are a different animal. That's, you know, they're getting paid. That's their thing. You know, they can make their own decisions where they're going to play or whatever, but colleges and even with high schools, you're seeing, like, I'm guessing the PIAA is going to come back, right? And the New Jersey's, they're going to come back a little bit later, right? Yeah, the PIAA is still up in the air, apparently. Um, but New Jersey said they're coming back, New right? Jersey has said they're coming back, yeah. How? If well, the kids are coming in back in October, They're coming back in October. They're going to have an abbreviated season, and I think no state playoffs. Okay, but if there's virtual school in October. Well, I, I think, I think put- everything, Mike, is subject to change at this point. I agree, but what I'm saying is, but I, if you're in virtual schools in October 
because the school well, isn't safe. How can it be safe to play football or soccer or well, look, whatever I mean, other sport? I think that's I, and that's I think a decision that a lot of people are going to have to to go with. I mean, yeah. you know, we talked about this on the last podcast. I, you know, I had to kind of make a decision about whether I was going to cover any Phillies games this year, right? And but see, I don't think we should let kids. I think we as the adults should be making the smart decision for the kids. I agree. But, and, explaining, and explaining to them it's not safe. But I also understand I also understand that there are people who feel like schools are needed to be open to resume normalcy to help kids who may need a little extra education. And quite frankly, in some neighborhoods, they need it because the, the parents have to go to work. There's no doubt. Right, but if you go back and three weeks later they have to close down, and it's if a in risk. the meantime, I'm, in the if in the meantime, X number of teachers have gotten sick, and X number of teachers have died, was that worth it? And my answer would be an emphatic no. 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 I I agree. So, yeah. Well, uh, what's on your agenda this weekend? Anything? I don't know. I I don't I don't think I got anything going on. I it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, starting to get boring. I, you know, I, I'll probably watch a lot of sports. I guess if yeah. there if there's um, oh, baseball. baseball back on, there'll be three Phillies games to watch, right? But, yeah, and there's baseball all weekend on ESPN and Fox. So, yeah, it'll be. I, mean, I liked what Jason was saying about the hockey. I mean, you know, if you could sit there from noon till midnight, probably for like uh, how many weeks straight? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and playoff hockey's the best hockey. <laughs> and playoff basketball coming in. Oh, it's going to be it, if they get through it. It's going to be awesome. And we have two teams. I mean, you think about it. The Sixers are. There's a lot of interest in you know what's going to happen with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the Flyers were playing so good when this whole thing ended. Um, so you know, logically, the Flyers will lose in the first round, and the Sixers will go to the NBA Finals. Of course, I mean, that, you know, and then that will make sense, and then people will start getting interested in the Phillies. You know, mm-hmm. they'll. And then uh, because and, you only got sixty games, and then it's football. Yeah, but I tell you this: if the Phillies lose tomorrow night, yeah, there'll be people jumping off for you. Know, oh, no gets beat by the Marlins. <laughs> no kidding. Welcome to my world. Before sixty games. Yeah, you should have seen my. Yeah. You used to see my Twitter feed before it was sixty games. It was uh, anyway. So I remember the one year when the the, the year the NHL had that. Sprint forty some games or whatever it was, I, it was pretty awesome. And I'll say now, we weren't there. We weren't dealing with a pandemic. So and, and I said this know. on Twitter earlier today. I was Mister, don't come back. You know, Mister. You know, like the jilted lover. You know, don't come back. I don't care. You know, turn all of it. It's nice to have it back. It's really nice to have it back. Well, the fact I'll put it this way: if the NHL or the NBA had not started. Like, like, you know, if this had happened in October, let's say, or whatever, I don't, th- I would have been with you. I would have been like, you know what, guys, just, just please. Um, no. But the fact that they played 65 games or 68, whatever. Well, I'm saying played, baseball. Yeah. And, and I know what you're, yeah. And I'm with you. Like, at this point, if they had told me there was going to be no baseball, mm-hmm. I would have been okay. But part of the reason I would have been okay was because the NBA and the NHL would have been playing. Back, yeah. Like, if there was nothing going on at all, I would say, but now that baseball is going to be played, yeah, I, I just don't think I can treat it as life and death 
as I would under a normal 162-game, no-pandemic circumstance. I agree. I think you have to take it with a grain of salt, maybe not be as so nasty when they lose and not be as so euphoric when they win, and just hope you see some good – I got a feeling we're going to see some bad sports for a while. Yeah. Oh, I think the the NFL – and we'll talk about this with Ross. Yeah, yeah, you're Boy, right. Boy, the NFL yeah, without a preseason, yeah. without a normal training camp, ugh. Could be yeah, and, if, and if, if there is college football, I think you're going to see much the same yeah. thing. Uh, with no spring practice, you know, not, nothing A lot like of soft that, tissue injuries, a lot of, yeah. It's, um, hey, you know what, Kevin? Who knows? Maybe two months from now, we're somehow not in as bad a place as we think we're going to be. Okay. You know? Hopefully. And, and, and if God forbid we are, then you deal with it. Yep. And if we got to play football in the spring, we'll play football in the spring. I mean, we, yeah, we missed an NCAA tournament, and we thought that was the greatest loss in the face of the earth. We got through it. Yeah. Yeah, it stunk. But, you know, it, it's um, as long as most of us are staying safe and we got something back in our lives that we can enjoy. We're, we're one day closer. My motto has been we're one day closer to the end of this. That's all you yeah. can. That's the only you way should, you can you approach know what you it. You should do. You should put out a calendar. You should market that. Put a calendar <laughs> out that goes like the, the end, of, like this time a year from now, and you could put like little sayings on it or something, and you could cross like those Christmas calendars, you know, where you're crossing off the yeah. days uh-huh. as you're getting that. You can make a shitload of money, pal. Yeah, but, but you got to do it fast. I understand. Thank you, Michael. I will see you Monday. Okay, Have a good weekend. You got it. All right. Our thanks to Jason Martinez for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. We've had a hell of a week. This has been Work of the Week. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine podcast.